We want when people come here, this to be an overwhelming sense of home. Because biblical Christianity at its core is relational. If you are going to lead, you have to first be, you have to first be led. Hey, welcome in today to Lead Talks with the Craigs. This is season two, episode season one. Season two. I'm Craig Mossgrove. Chad Craig. Yeah, so this is Lead Talks with the Craig, and this is a a leadership podcast, right? And kind of our tagline is, in order to lead, we must first be led. We must first be led. And so we welcome you in. So glad that you're streaming or listening today. And uh, what an opportunity we have to just continue our discussion on leadership. You know, there is a a massive need, not just in the West, but globally for strong spiritual leaders. Certainly. A major, major, major need. And so season one, Pastor Chad, we talked all about kingdom leadership. And if you're brand new to the podcast, just encourage you to go back. Season one, they're all available on YouTube. Or if you're listening uh, on audio podcasts, you can find those as well through any streaming platform that you so choose to use. Um, But we want this to be a dialogue, want to be a conversation. And so any kind of feedback is always good. Yeah, always helpful. And uh, we talked a lot again about kingdom leadership. Season two, we're starting today, another eight episodes, Pastor Chad, but I've been really excited to kind of share this with those that have been following the Lead Talks journey. And um, this series is going to be a series that uh, I think really speaks to a great majority of all, really all of us as leaders when, when we define leadership as being the capacity or having the capacity to influence another. And that is uh, what we're calling defeating giants. Come on. Defeating giants. So, you know, for all of us as Christian leaders, we have we have giants, obstacles to overcome. They're both spiritual. Some of those are moral, right, in the context that we lead. And to be honest with you, for us as Christian leaders, we're really in need, a dire need of the courage to face those giants, right? And even though our giants can't be quite easily as recognized as the literal giants of the Old Testament, right? They could see those. Physical, yeah. Yeah, those physical giants. Our our giants could be just as dangerous, right? Especially if they're left uncontested or not dealt with. And so that's what we'll be talking about over the next few weeks, really the next few months for season two. And today, uh, episode one is about defeating the giant of conformity. Mm, conformity. Yeah, conformity. And so obviously I think if you probably hear that word conformity, you immediately think, if you have any scriptural basis or background, you, you, you tend to jump straight to Romans 12 too. Don't be conformed right. to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. But Pastor Chad, I wanted to start today just with a quote, quote that I came across uh, just recently, and these are the words of TV host and atheist Bill Maher. Oh, right? yeah. Uh, this is what he said. He said, religion must die in order for mankind to live. Religion must die. So in 2008... He put out a documentary that was designed to make religious people, people of faith, us, those that are watching, look like utter idiots. In fact, most people don't realize this. He called people of faith terrorists. He used that phrase, terrorist. Okay. Now, I want you to hear that quote again, okay, if you're listening. Religion must die in order for mankind to live. Now, that quote's not very far from Karl Marx's famous quote in 1843, where he said, religion is the opium of the people. Right. I was in Guatemala City a couple years ago, walking downtown. And in Spanish, they had that religion is the opium of the people. Really? They had that? Yeah. And so I'm believing everybody, Pastor Chad, that have, have seen, they're watching today, they've, they've heard that phrase from the, the founder of Karl, of, uh, of uh, philosophy of Marxism, right? Which is Karl Marx. Mm-hmm. 
Most people don't remember once Karl Marx comes on the scene, people were dazzled by him. The followers of Karl Marx ranked, yanked all the religious teaching from the school system. They outlawed criticism, and anybody who spoke against atheist or agnostic were actually punished. They burned, catch this, 100,000 churches in Russia. Mm. And so the clergy demanded, we need freedom of speech, religious freedom. Well, because they demanded religious freedom, they were sentenced to death. Now, I want our listeners to hear today, this wasn't a 1,000 years ago. Because, see, we tend to think in the Western world, oh, this, we're too advanced, we're too civilized. Right. This was between 1917 and 1935. 130,000 Russian priests were arrested, mm. and 95,000 of them were executed by firing squads. Mm. 100,000 pastors died in 15 years, 20 years, at the, at the expense or at the hands of Marxist philosophy. Okay, Now, Craig, why in the world would you start off this whole issue of conformity with that with that question. Well, on the one end of this spectrum in America, you have progressive liberals on the far left, and then on the other end of the spectrum, you have what we call Christian deconstructionists, right? These are the people who want to marginalize us as being sheer idiots if we believe the book. Quite honestly, Pastor Chad, if we are parents and we teach our children the Bible, they basically want us to shut up. They basically want us to go away. That's their agenda. They want to remove a lot of the Christian voice from the public square. In short, we could say they want us to conform, to shut up, do what we say. A psychologist by the name of Nicholas Humphrey, he was lecturing Pastor Chad, and, and uh, this came up in a pastoral group I was at, at Oxford University, and he admitted his speech and his goal. Here was his speech. He said, my goal is to argue in favor of censorship against freedom of expression. And then he admitted who he was aiming at in particular. Listen. He said, moral and religious education, especially the education a child receives at home. Now, I want you to see what he said in that speech. He made a shocking statement. He said, Christians have a right not to have their minds addled by nonsense, and we as a society have a duty to protect them from it. So we should no more allow parents to teach their children to believe, for example, in the little truth of the Bible than we should allow parents to knock their children's teeth out or lock them in a dungeon. Now, this is a... Interesting thing, Equ equating teaching your kids the Bible with child abuse. That's the same ideological stance as like communist Russia, right? And you need to know, those that are listening, there's a method, and this is the point I want to make to their madness. It comes in stages. So if you've, if you've been awake in American culture, the first thing they do, stages redefine vocabulary. That's the first thing that happens. So they're going to use words that, you're familiar with, and they'll on purpose choose you know, these noble, kind of lofty-sounding words that nobody argues against, right? Like, who would dare speak out against freedom? Who dares going to speak out against science? Problem is they pour meanings into those words that those words themselves Correct. don't yeah. normally have, right? So they begin redefining it. Next one, Pastor Chad, I was thinking about is they stigmatize their opponents. So if you don't agree with them, they label you, mm -hmm. right? So they'll vilify you. They'll call you homophobic. They call you xenophobic, Islamophobic, misogynistic. That's a big one now, all over my Twitter timeline. Sexist, and the big one, racist. And the reason they do that is they, they, they just want you to shut up, right? Don't say anything at all. Because if you label somebody as phobic or unscientific, you can perhaps take away their First Amendment, right? A free speech. Get them banned. Get them canceled. Didn't they cancel our U.S. president? <laughs> 
They did. They can't, I mean, literally banned the U.S. president. It took billions by Elon Musk to buy Twitter to get him unbanned. So this is the culture. So the Apostle Paul said, I beseech you by the brother, uh, the mercies of God, present your bodies, right, to God, holy sacrifice, reasonable service. Don't be conformed to the pattern of this world, but transform. And I think the better translation is don't let the, the world squeeze you into its mold. So what did I want to ask you, Pastor Chad, just to kick off, and we're going to look at the story of Daniel today, is what do you think of when you hear me say, you know, what are your initial thoughts in our current cultural landscape as it relates to culture trying to get Christians to to squeeze or be conformed into their model? Yeah. It's a unique time we live in because part of the conformity, I believe, is undergirded by the globalization. Mm. There is this sort of push for this global mind of conformity Mm -hmm. right you sort of get some of these main banners there's of course the um it's not called sexual revolution but it's a way to express it the homosexuality you know the lesbian that whole lgbtq sort of banner yep right global agenda uh you have of course uh the the green uh you know conserving energy conserving energy green planet yeah green planet uh, you know, sort of push. But what's also unique is that then when it comes to some of the national term- nations in turmoil and fighting, you have a decoupling of some of the economic type globalization, mm. right? Yeah. So that's what's been the, the supply chain issues and part of the dynamics of inflation we're facing. So it's unique because you have this sort of pulling away decoupling on the economy and, and globalization when it comes to uh, you know commerce and and money, but then you have this global push when it comes to this certain type of philosophy and one mindedness, mm-hmm. and so obviously from a biblical worldview, we know First John five that the whole world lies under the sway of the evil right. one. So there is a uh, an unseen entity pushing and seeking to use and move physical humans tangible entities towards his purpose yeah right and that's what i think of initially conformity is is trying to remind myself of the ephesians 6 that we wrestle not against flesh and blood yep because it is at least from my vantage point i know from yours but it's not for everybody but the stuff that you just said is madness yeah it's illogical it, there there's so much historically that proves where you end up with that type of erroneous type of thinking yep. and, and, and worldview. Um, and so it's frustrating mm-hmm. and it's easy to think how in the world could people begin to follow in that flow of thought again? Yeah. And I have to just remind myself because Ephesians six, yeah, that there's a real spiritual entity. So, that helps me, but then secondly, it reminds me that when it comes to the armor of God, right, there's no back armor. Yeah, you meaning we we have to face it. We have to be intentional. We have to, you know, Paul said, "Don't be ignorant of the scheme and scheme. the wiles of the enemy." And just like you said, when you talk about conformity, Romans twelve comes to mind. We have to aggressively seek to find God's solution to be who He's called us to be so that we're protected from being conformed to the mindset or the philosophies of our day. Right. 
right? Yeah, not be caught captive to the. And if you don't have a plan, then you're planning to fail. You're planning to conform. Yeah. Right. Yeah, absolutely. So, so how can our little voice, our presence, stand up to that giant giant of conformity? And and luckily, fortunately, there's a little kid. He's no kid. Kid when we first see him, but by the name of Daniel shows us how. Daniel chapter one verse one. We don't obviously have time to read the whole chapter, comment on the whole chapter, but we're going right. to read sections of it. And I, I want to begin with the predicament Daniel Daniel is is in. So the long and sh- short of it, Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon, gained power. He's taken over the known world, what we call the no- the world of the Middle East. He's taken captive Jerusalem. He brought people with him to Babylon, including Daniel and his friends, mm-hmm. right? And so just for our listeners, he's looking for servants in his palace. Well, that takes us to verse 4, and if you want to follow along, you're listening with us. It says, verse 4, Young men in whom there was no blemish, but good-looking, gifted in all wisdom, possessing knowledge and quick to understand, who had ability to serve in the king's palace, and whom they might teach the language and literature of the Chaldeans. And the king appointed for them a daily provision of the king's delicacies. Notice that, the food, and of the king's wine. They had this daily portion, which he drank. And three years of training for them so that at the end of that time they might serve before the king. Now watch this. From among those of the sons of Judah were Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah. To them the chiefs of the eunuchs gave names. He gave Daniel the name Belteshazzar, to Hananiah, Shadrach, to Mishael, Meshach, to Azariah, Abednego. So I'm going to fill in a couple of the gaps for our listeners uh, Pastor Chad, a battle just taken place, one of the most famous battles in history. If you're a history buff, you know of this. It's called the Battle of Carchemish. It happened in 605 B.C. Carchemish is in modern-day Turkey, but Babylon defeated the combined armies of Assyria and Egypt. When that battle was won, Nebuchadnezzar was so large and in charge, he was the new sheriff. rest of the world was easy pickings, so he goes for less powerful kingdoms like Jerusalem. So that same year, 605 B.C., attacks Jerusalem. He does it again eight years later in 597. Then he does it in 11 years later in 586. The last time he did it, he destroyed the temple, burned it with fire. But on the first date, 605 B.C., is when Daniel, teenage boy, kidnapped from his home, taken 1,600 miles away to live in the courts of the Babylonian king. Now, when we say Babylon, the New Testament writers, even John the Revelator, use Babylon to refer to Rome. And Rome is nowhere near what we call Babel, but it says it's near the land of Shinar. The land of Shinar is, remember, in Genesis 11, where they tried to make a name for themselves. Mm-hmm. I like what you did there, God, right? So he, he he uses the name land of Shinar and now calls that to describe all of the world system against the kingdom of God, which is Babel, the Tower of Babylon, and right? And that system, always, regardless of time, was the marriage of a false philosophy type of religion— yep. Right worldview and government yeah. power. Yeah, it was absolutely. Of that. Absolutely, and so that's what I wanted to talk about, Pastor Chad. Is Nebuchadnezzar had this four tiered process? This is the predicament Daniel's in. In order to get those kids, number one, he isolated them. He took them from their home, took them away from their friends, took them away from their parents, their temple, their worship, their religious influence. Put them in a new environment. He isolated them. Second thing he does is he indoctrinated them. He reeducates them. Notice it says they were taught the language and literature of the Chaldeans. Now you read and go, that's not so bad. Free college education. Hmm. Well, no, the goal was not just academic. The goal was to reorient their way of thinking to a Babylonian worldview. It was a three-year program. In fact, the literature of the Chaldeans promoted the Chaldean worldview of many gods. Um, I was reading this week, Pastor Chad, archaeology has shown us that Babylonians practice divination. 
So they looked at the stars to predict the future. They would take the entrails of animals and mm-hmm. livers and put them on a plate, and the liver would move, and that somehow predicted the future. That's true. They would right. do that. So Daniel and his friends were basically in this three-year cultural assimilation course to get them forget to forget everything they had learned before. Um, I don't know about you, but that to me sounds a lot like college. <laughs> now, <laughs> now I'm not trying to beat up on all of college, but to undermine what people have been taught they're isolated they're indoctrinated third thing they wanted to do is Nebuchadnezzar wanted to intimidate them so they were intimidated verse 5 it says they were given a daily provision of the king's delicacies and of the wine now again that doesn't sound bad at first blush you're in college you get free food but this was the world like desserts and fine meals so I mean the food was offered first in the Babylonian court to Babylonian gods then brought to the king's table and so Now they're trying to get Daniel to think, why should I believe in my God? I've never eaten like this in Jerusalem, right? And Babylon was intimidating. The Greek historian Herodotus said the walls of the city were 80 feet thick, 56 miles long. I mean, this is intimidating. And then the fourth thing Nebuchadnezzar does is he redesignated them. He took away their most personal private names, their possession, right? And social engineered. So I was just going to give our listeners the name. The name Daniel means God is my judge. He's given Belteshazzar, which means may Baal protect the king. Baal's one of the chief deities of Babylon. Hananiah meant beloved of the Lord, but his new name is Shadrach, which is illumined by Aku, the moon god. Michelle means who is like God, but the new name Meshach means who is like Aku, the Babylonian god. Azariah means the Lord is my help. That's the Jewish name, but he's given the name Abednego, which means servant of Nabu, which is a pagan deity. So they had so many different deities that they worshipped, and that is the predicament now that these men, these Hebrew boys, find themselves. And so, I don't know, only words are, certain words are allowed, and this, this words, this new culture has provided for them. Does that sound a bit familiar? Sound a bit familiar to you in our culture? Yeah. <laughs> in what ways? What's your, what's your initial thoughts? There's many, but you're, you said specifically as far as their names. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Just well. the just the upheaval of trying to again provide a uh, let's say it this way: only certain words are now allowed in the vernacular and the language of the mass culture, right? So they're, 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 this is the predicament these four young boys find themselves in. How does that play out into, in terms of isolating, indoctrinating, intimidating, and then ultimately rede- redesignating somebody in our culture? Yeah. Well, if you if you leave just one by themselves, total isolation, then the will to live mm. ceases. Yeah. So the king knows he can't do that. Yeah. You know. So he he finds the the three here we talk about and takes them. But he takes them for his purpose. Yeah. And that's part of the problem we're seeing is that we are dealing with people that have a worldview that is looking at their citizens Mm -hmm. as their property. Yeah. Meaning as a means to their intended desire. Yeah. Well, what does that do? That means you no longer value those people's liberty. Mm Mm-hmm. What was one of the names that the king just gave one of them? It was a servant, a slave. Yeah. Meaning you have a worldview that says, listen, we see you 
as a means to our end goal. What you're useful for is to be our slave towards our end goal. Yeah. So now you're devaluing the individual. Yeah. Okay. For this corporate push. Yeah. This corporate push. Now, if the corporate push was godly, yeah, then that's a different scenario. Yeah, different pressure. But that's not how it is. So you get groupthink. Yeah. Right? Obviously, we know that in the in the physiological and, and psychology development of humans, the the formation of frontal lobes, critical thinking, all that stuff in what in West we call adolescent years. Yeah. Okay. So they're trying to absolutely take ownership yes of those those of, lives of the forming mm-hmm. of also the internal world yeah of how those young men would see themselves yeah how they would value themselves what they would define as potential purpose they tell us in america research markers tell us that the average age that's most marketed to the billions of dollars is between the ages of 8 and 14 so it's prime yeah. Prime that's, time. That's cereal aisle. Yeah. Well, you walk down the cereal aisle, you see, you see marketing one on one right there. Yeah. Yeah. In, in all ways, shape, and form. And that's not just for the sexual revolution, although that's a huge part of it. It's to try to create lifelong consumers. Consumers. Right? So, so same thing here. I, I guess that's what I'm trying to get our listeners, watchers to see is that the predicament Daniel and his friends find himself in is the same predicament that Christians find themselves in in our modern Babylon. Yeah. And so that predicament leads us to the next part, and that is the protest. So if the predicament they're in here, there is a really good sign because verse 8, look what it says, the first word, verse 8, but. That's a good sign, right? But Daniel. It doesn't say, and Daniel. It doesn't say, so Daniel. Mm-hmm. It doesn't say, therefore, Daniel, it says, but Daniel, meaning that we immediately have opposition to the pressure. The pressure's coming hard, Babylonian. They're, I mean, this is strong, intimidating. And on the contrary, Daniel, this young teenage Daniel, is making a choice, and the, and the choice is, will I conform or will I not conform? So look what it says. But Daniel, Pastor Chad, purposed in his heart that he would not defile himself with a portion of the king's delicacies nor with the wine he drank. Therefore, he requested of the chief of the eunuchs that he might not defile himself. And I just wanted to focus here for a moment that Daniel's conviction begins in an inward conviction first. Yeah. Right? It says he purposed in his heart. There's a lot to that statement. Yeah, yeah. He made this choice deep inside, right? And so this is really good news because, and we'll, we'll flesh that out, all this indoctrination, all the intimidation, all the isolation, all the redesignation is met by Daniel's determination. Right? So you have a young teenage boy who's been abducted. I don't think we realize their, their family was probably murdered in front of them. And their temple is sacked. They leave their home. Can you imagine the trauma of teenagers? But this young boy's got this determination. I'm not going to cross that line. He purposes in his heart. Okay? And I wanted, to cha- I wanted to challenge our listeners here, Pastor Chad, because it's not just the leaders that are listening. It's the leaders that are listening who are responsible for the people that they serve, right? Those right. They serve. And the power to not conform to the culture around us is always an inside job, meaning it always begins on the inside when your decisions become your convictions. Like anybody can make a decision, a choice, but when those decisions and choices become your defined nature, your conviction—that's something different, right? 
something all together different. And I, I thought, Pastor Chad, the effectiveness of the rest of Daniel's life depends on this very moment. Like if he doesn't make the right choice, Daniel would not make the right impact. That choice he makes determines the man he's going to come day after day and in a very, very important choice. And he's been, um, you know, there's a great quote, W.A. Criswell. Many people know he's kind of like a Charles Spurgeon. He's been in heaven a while, but this is what he said about this. He said, all of life is filled with crises and decisions. There are right decisions, wrong decisions, high roads, low roads. And almost every day there will be a fork in the road. Where you are today is due to the turn in the road you took yesterday. You're the product of your choices. You are where you are because of the choices you have made. Our listeners today, they have many more choices to make. Certainly. So how do we start with deep-seated convictions? How do our decisions become convictions? Yeah. What would you say to that? What is about this purposing in heart? Purposing in heart. You know, Paul, he carries that out in, in Romans. Romans 13 through, uh, well, 14 and 15. And the English translation is not that great. It talks, it uses the word faith. Mm. But what, what it's talking about is a personal faith, a personal conviction. Yeah. Right? Obviously, God's word. It's like an inner, inward persuasion. Inward conviction. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's something like this phrase, purposed in heart. Yeah. Um, obviously, the larger context of Scripture and, and, sets the scope of where our inner conviction, purposed in heart, would want to be found within. But when you go through what Paul says there, he says someone has taken the time to be clear mm-hmm. on why they purpose that. Yeah. So it's not haphazard. Yeah. They're they're clear on why they believe what they believe and why they're doing what they're doing. See, the way to be influenced in a negative way is to have a choice in your life, but you've not taken the time to consider deeply and thoughtfully and mm. prayerfully about that choice. It see the you know the soul, the mind, will, and emotions. The the more your mind, will, and emotions are in unison on a choice, mm-hmm. a threefold chord is not easily broken. Right. The stronger the internal aptitude is behind that choice. Mm. So Daniel Maybe it's when he's on that journey. Yeah. He's thinking, I don't know what I'm going into, but but he's processing what kind of future do I want? Yeah. What God do I want to serve? You know he's heard about the oh yeah. Babylonians. Yeah, he's heard about the foreign gods for sure. But it's it's in all of that processing that you reach a place and you willfully and joyfully and clearly and concisely know why you're purposed. Yeah in that conviction that begins to build internally resistance mm-hmm. to contrary thoughts yeah worldview thinking contrary types of behaviors and, and actions of others other desires you know i was thinking how solomon said if if you're if you're set before the king and you're vulnerable given over to delicacy yeah. appetites yep. to put a knife to your neck well J- jesus obviously was crucified on a cross and he uses the cross as a picture of cutting mm. our own desires away yeah this is what daniel did he demonstrated as an example of the practical principle 
mm-hmm. of denying our own wants for the greater good of God. Yeah. And in that purpose of heart, it was it was you know if if you're gonna cut something and you want to cut it clear, it's got to be purposeful. Mm-hmm. You don't want a doctor right that that's blind. Oh yeah, cutting your knee. Yeah, he needs to be skilled and, and precise. And precise. And that's what's going on here with Daniel. And that's what's going on in the time we live, that we need mature disciples that are precise mm-hmm. internally in what they purposed. Yeah. They're not going to allow the culture around them to move them. Yeah. And what that takes is what Scripture talks about, a multifaceted renewing of the mind, mm-hmm. cutting out our vulnerable desires. Yeah. Listen, I mean, do you in and of yourself just want to like stand out and not fit in? Of course not. Right. You see what I'm saying? That's not natural. Yep. The, the natural is I want to fit in. Yeah. Well, the main point of this entire text is that in order to make a difference, you have to be different. Correct. Right. So, but but we're willing to cut out yeah. the natural tendency. Yeah. For a greater good and a greater purpose of God. Right. And then having our emotions rooted. Right. In logical biblical thinking. Yep. Right, and and a greater desire for glorifying God, being used of God, than temporary desires of yeah. the plot of man. Or so I want to focus on that. That emotions are connected because this is the part that I was I really wanted to hit for our listeners. Yeah. is when it said Daniel purposed in his heart that he would not defile himself. It's because the food of Babylon was unkosher for the Jew. Right, it wasn't prepared correctly ceremonially, and they couldn't drink wine because the wine had been poured out on pagan altars. So Daniel had nothing to do with that. And I, I know a lot of people would think, this is what we would hear today. Hey, no dude, yeah, you're in Jerusalem. You're not in Jerusalem anymore. Accommodate, right? You're not there, dude. Adapt. Right. You're not at home anymore. Just adapt to where you're at. But, but the point that really became apparent to me is Daniel wasn't looking for an excuse because Daniel was living with purpose. So that's the point I wanted to hit for our listeners is when you live with purpose, you don't look for excuses. And so many times we live with that kind of sin management theology of like, how close can I yeah. get without, that's not leadership. And no power in that, yeah, right? Yeah, no power, exactly. So he has a purpose, he has a name, he has a goal, and he's basically saying to the king, right? He, he chooses. He says to the king, like, I refuse to do so. Like, you, you can isolate, and it, 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 he's really saying to the head of the eunuchs, but he's saying, you can isolate me, you can re-educate me, you can intimidate me, you can redesignate me, but you can't change me, Right? That's who I am at the core. No matter what happens, I'm not afraid and unashamed of this is who I am, which which to me brings up the topic is, for our listeners, I have to ask myself, what is it that defiles me? There's all sorts of things that try to taint me and try to pollute and corrupt us and contaminate us. For our listeners today, it could be certain, you know, I know it seems so elementary, but certain uh, movies or TV shows that we feel the freedom to binge on. It could be websites we go to. It could be places people frequent. It could be relationships they're involved involved in. And what I just want to suggest to you today as you're watching is that from the Scriptures, you have to develop a clear conviction to say no so that you'll have the occasion to say yes to what God desires. So developing that deep-seated conviction, purposing in his heart, right? When you close the door to defilement, you open the door to development. And if I don't close that door to defilement, then God is kind of limited in the great things he can do in my life. You say no to certain things, isn't it true? New opportunities the Lord will spring under your path. 
but those new opportunities don't spring. And I, I, I know this is, sounds like this message is maybe for younger people, but it's for it's for peers alike and, and people that are older than me. It begins. No, because we need we we need marriages that stand out. Yeah, we need business owners that stand out. Yep, we need families in their neighborhood that stand out. Right. So, whatever season of life a follower of Jesus is at, yep, we need the light of God through us and through them to stand out yep, in the midst sure. of a perverse and crooked generation. Right. Whatever yeah. context. Absolutely. And so you you mentioned, man, it begins with this belief system. You kept using mindset, renewed mind. No matter where I'm at, whether I'm in Jerusalem, 1,600 miles away in Babylon, whether I'm in church or Starbucks, no matter where I am, God's always there. Like the camera's always on, the microphone microphone's always on. I was thinking this week, actually just driving Proverbs 5, the ways of a man are before the eyes of the Lord. Before the Lord. He ponders all of his paths, right? Um, yeah, and I think about like my, my girls with, with all their little video and editing. I mean, there's people talking to people all the time in my house, and the people they're talking to ain't there. Yeah. Right, because they're doing that. And, and I had the thought this week that it's going to be fairly easy to communicate. Now, they got to accept it. But but to my kids, the way that you're in a sense living before the videos, yeah, and and those that, that watch you, you need to understand you live that way before God. Correct, correct. That type of on the awareness, mind, awareness, yeah. and this is what what you said a minute ago stood out to me about the Daniel thing here, is Daniel had awareness of his vulnerabilities. Mm-hmm. He knew he was going to be seated at the king's table. Yeah. And so that's what you're saying is half it's a the predecision. Ba- yes. Purposing well, your heart is a predecision. Correct. But but the thing you were getting at is part of the process of getting to that decision is living with awareness of where we're more vulnerable. Mm-hmm. You yeah. see what I'm saying? Yeah. So he knows he's going to be seated at the king's table. That's the context he's at. So he knows what the vulnerability is is to eat the king delicacies. Yeah. So part of being able to purpose is also knowing the context mm-hmm. of where you're going to be vul- vulnerable. vulnerable. Yeah. yeah. To compromise and conform. Right. And when so, you talk about the awareness thing, I was thinking this week. Remember the story of Moses? Uh, before he became Moses the leader, he's disgruntled one day because the Egyptians are oppressing the Israelites. And I started thinking about this. He looked one day. He sees this Egyptian beating up an Israelite, yeah. and Moses went over and killed him. But this is what the Bible says, Pastor Chad. This is what it says in Exodus. It says, Moses looked this way, and then it says Moses looked that way, and then Moses killed him. And I thought, you know what the problem was? He didn't look that way. Right. He looked left or right. Right? And that's the point, is the awareness is that we look all of these ways, but we're forgetting that our nothing is everything's laid before laid bare before the all-seeing God. And so... If you live that way, right? I'm looking this way. I'm looking that way. So are people looking? No, God is always looking. Like I have this an awareness, God's and Daniel knows that. And even as a young teenager, I think that's what's so encouraging to me about this is that this is his protest. Mm-hmm. So he talked about the predicament. Talk about the protest. Next thing I wanted to show is the petition. So you go back to verse eight. Of course, he, therefore he requested. You remember that. Notice he requested of the chief of eunuchs that he might not defile himself. So God had obviously brought Daniel into this favor and goodwill of the chief. And he said to Daniel, I fear my lord the king. I'm afraid of Nebuchadnezzar who's appointed your food and drink. This is his menu, right? Not mine. 
Why should he see your faces looking worse than the young men who are your age? Then you would endanger my head before the king. So he's like, look, our king isn't a nice guy. He cuts heads off. Mine's next. Look at verse next one. So Daniel said to the steward, said over them, please test your servants for 10 days. Let them give us vegetables to eat and water to drink. So it's a vegan diet, right? Then let our appearances be examined before you and the appearance of the young men who eat the portions of the king's delicacies. As you see fit, so deal with your servants. So he consented with them in this matter and tested them for 10 days. Now watch this. Pastor Chad, Daniel's not just reactive. Daniel's proactive. He's not just resisting an order. He's requesting an alternative. He doesn't just say, no, I'm not eating it. He, he proactively says, hey, I'm going to, not Daniel demanded, not Daniel picketed. He requested, which is showing honor. He's not dishonorable. Look at verse 12. What's the first word Daniel says? Please, right? His mama taught him right. Please test your servants for 10 days. So this is not like Daniel holier than thou kid. He's respectful. He's God honoring. God's brought him to this position of respect and honor. And he's now get in the goodwill. And in Proverbs 16, Pastor Chad, it says, when a man's ways please the Lord, he makes even his enemies at peace with him. And that's what you happen you have happening here. You have a nonconformist, by all means, Daniel, but he's a nice one. You don't have to be a mean one. So Correct. that's what I wanted to talk about for a minute. We right, don't have you to mentioned be... like the far right side, yeah. right, of conservatism. Yeah. And uh, what I think what this speaks to to that. He's not trying to pick a fight. Right. But the reason why so many's trying to pick a fight is they're not discipled enough mm. and to the place purposed and hard enough of where Daniel's at, where Daniel's willing to die if he needs to. Yeah. See, Daniel was surrendered. Yeah. So Daniel leaves the decision in the authority's hands. Mm-hmm. Because Daniel's so surrendered that he's already purposed, I'm not going to defile and conform. Yeah. Right? But I'm also not going to take up sword and fight. Mm -hmm. Because in the end, it's their decision. But I'm willing to even honor the Lord with my life if that's what he so sees fit. Yeah. What's interesting is that the government saw Daniel as the slave. Yeah. Right? That's what they tried to rename him. Right? One of them. But Daniel knows, at least we know in in biblical worldview, the government's actually our God servant. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So Daniel is okay that if that servant of his God mm-hmm. goes wrong, God's still going to protect yeah. and honor him. Yeah. But he's not going to defile God's himself word. or his walk with God to conform to a government in a worldview that's went wrong. Yeah. So it says a lot, but I think that's why so many are so angry. Yeah. Because they're angry because, yes, they know God has created government to serve humans and to provide liberty and not take liberty away. Yeah. But they're also not to the other side of biblical worldview, that the blood of God's holy people have been shed throughout centuries. Yeah. And it and God obviously in due time will honor. Yeah. Well, and this is the thing, Pastor Chad, and I really want to, I, I really wanted to hit this because I feel like in my experience, and I don't know if those that are watching, it's true of everybody's experience, but like, if I if I think of the, the historically the nonconformist, the strong, 
socially engaged Christian in our nation, you know, take America back for Jesus kind of reality. I see the opposite of Daniel here. Right. So second, so second Timothy, I put in my notes, uh, two twenty four. Pastor Chad, it says, a servant of the Lord must not quarrel, but be gentle all, able to teach, patient, in humility, correcting those who are in opposition. If God perhaps grants them repentance. So some some Christians, some preachers, always seem mad, like angry, mad, mad at those who disagree with them, rebuking political leaders, ranting about personal opinions. That's mm-hmm. not the con- nonconformity we're talking about. Right. Right. Ben Franklin was right. He said, you'll catch more flies with honey than you will with vinegar. True. Right. So, and and so I, I'd put here, Pastor Chad. Walk in wisdom towards those that are on the outside. Absolutely. For. Absolutely. And I want, I want people to remember what I'm about to say. You need to be winsome if you want to win some. Meaning, you need a winsome personality to win other people to Jesus Christ. Yeah. Like we think we're going to argue people or tick them into the using our ticked offness to get them into the kingdom of God. And that right. Yeah, if you have this the flesh is fruit on both sides. Yeah. None's going to get done. Yeah. Right? So you can find people on the far left that that's just that type of thing. Yeah. Angry, don't care whatever, yeah. and then the far right, conservative whatever. And Daniel, right here as a man of God, shows the difference. And and the thing about like what you said a minute ago about Daniel is that he presented an option. He did, yes. Right? Very, very pre- a proactive, not reactive. Correct. Because Daniel understood that in the context he was at, they only knew one method. Mm-hmm. And they thought that that was the only method to produce strong men. Yeah. So what Daniel did is he gave them the option, hey— can I show you? I'm going to get done, boss, what you're asking of me. Yeah. But there's actually another method that you know not of. Yeah. But if you'll give me 10 days to use the method that I know of and then evaluate the standard. Yeah. Some, Let's do a test. I'm going to give you an alternative. It. Some context and some bosses, something, will then give that freedom. That freedom. Yeah. For that other way yeah. to demonstrate the same results. Yeah. Right. Yeah. What's interesting? This one, God favored him so much, he actually got better stronger, results. Stronger, not even the same. Yeah. Um, yeah, and he did it in Joseph's case too. Yeah, he did. And so we, so on the one hand, we don't want to be that mad, angry nonconformist, but we also want to not forget that Daniel's not silent. Right. Correct. Like he spoke up. He dug his heels in. He didn't conform. Right. There was he a line he wouldn't cross. He wouldn't cross. He had a standard. That affected how he carried himself. And, and the judgment of God, he knows, hey, you can keep worshiping your false gods, but I'm not going to. And so this is the part, Pastor Chad, if we can segue. I won't be careful my words. He's not going to change Babylon because that's not what it's about. Daniel's not trying to change Babylon. This is about, wasn't about changing Babylon. This is about not letting Babylon change him. It's not, it's not the cultural conformity that I'll bow to. And I think this is important, especially in our age. And I know this might not a lot of people might not agree with this. If your agenda only becomes we got to take America back, right? Or you're, as followers of Jesus yes, we're talking to. Yes. Yeah, you're going to die disappointed. If you think you're going to go back 200 years to founding Fathersville, you're going to be very, very disappointed because the ship has sailed there's been way too many elections you know i'm talking about i mean even parts of political reality that are like irredeemable i mean just like way out there right 
But this is about the church standing strong in the midst of it. Now, by default, when the church stands as a, as a distinct witness, it always draws people to itself. But the, the, idea, the focus is not about some pie in the sky, we're going to cause the culture around us to become Christian. It's about we're not going to allow the culture around us to conform us to it's mold. Yeah, that, that's part of the difficulty we're having today in the conversation. Yeah. Is that previous people who walked this path didn't take what you just said as their option and they did force the culture to conform. Yeah. That's convert or die. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And because that was the way that they tried to handle what we're talking about, then in our conversation today with people alive, they know that history. Yeah. And has hardened them even more to the reality that Jesus actually is the way, the truth, and the life. Exactly. And the only way to the Father. So, um, and, you know, it's what what Pastor Craig just said there is as the church in general, our call. As an individual member, obviously he calls some individual members to the context of government and yes. political leadership to to work within that context to help the country and to uh, seek to bear witness. But what it's saying is that the church as a whole, our corporate call is not to replace yeah. or think that we can replace all of culture and all of what's happening in yep. government. Yep. We are called to be salt and light to influence the people that's within that yeah. That there is another way, another option. Hopefully, that they would come to the light. Yes, of of Christ. Absolutely, absolutely. Um, well, we have unprecedented pressure all around us. Like Daniel, we can pray for the wisdom, Pastor Chad. Lord God, give me the wisdom that Daniel had in that moment. So there's certain things I'm going to refuse. Just so you know, going forward, there's certain things in this culture. I don't care what government says. There's certain things I'll refuse. I'm gonna do it with respect. I'll do it with a smile. They can lock us up, put us in jail, but there are parts, depending on the nation and the culture of our nation. But see, yeah, and but see, that's the that's the real authority that Jesus had and yep. demonstrated. Is because ultimately, I'm talking big picture. Yeah, we're citi- we're not citizens of this earth. Citizens we're citizens of, of heaven. Meaning, ultimately, we're facing there. There's a bigger scope. Oh yeah, that even if they were to do what you just said. In the end, we have a scope, a worldview big enough to handle it, yeah, to handle it and to be empowered, yeah, and um, and that was how Jesus lived so free mm-hmm. because he knew where he had came from and he knew that he was returning to the Father, and if he couldn't get those who actually belonged to God anyway, and government and things like that that was created to serve God and God's people to make the right choice. He had committed himself to God and knew in the end he'd be vindicated. Yep. In the end, only the righteous will dwell in the new heaven and the new earth. Meaning eternal perspective. Oh, yeah. Deeply strengthens inner resolve. Correct. Correct. And that's why you're talking about the internal world. Mm -hmm. Meaning that's an internal eye. It's what Paul in in Ephesians 1 called the eyes of the heart, the eyes of our understanding. Be enlightened, that's right. Hebrews 1, by faith, we people of faith, understand something that the natural man does not understand Correct. that the word of God has framed mm-hmm. and has spoken. And so that inward knowing and that inward seeing internally helps us and in deal with these 
as you just said, pressures and, and yeah. challenges on the outside. You're right. You're right. So we have the the predicament he found himself in. We have the pressure he faced. And the protest. The protest, the, the pressure protest. We have the petition he makes. And then fourthly, we'll end up, it closes with a payoff. And the payoff, verse 15, if you're wondering, all of this saying no, what did he get, Daniel? Verse 15, at the end of 10 days, their, their features, these little <laughs> vegan kids, <laughs> the end of 10 days, their features appeared better and fatter in flesh. Now, typically, that's not a compliment, but in this context, it's really a compliment. Yeah. Right? Hey, you're looking fat. Well, thank you, man. I appreciate that. But because the that would score them points, meaning at the end of those days, they look better than all the other young men who had taken the king's delicacies. Thus, the steward took away their portion of delicacies and wine they were to drink and gave them vegetables. Now, I know Pastor Chad Daniel became their enemy after that, right? Like, now we can't eat dessert. We're eating your stupid vegetable and water <laughs> diet. <laughs> like, you know, everybody else now turns on Daniel. But as for these four young men, listen to what the text says. God gave them knowledge and skill and literature and wisdom, and Daniel had understanding in all visions and dreams. So God honored their commitment. First of all, in their appearance, they looked great. Second of all, in their prominence. They graduated at the top of their class, aced the test. Look at verse 19. The king interviewed them, and among them all, none was found like Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah. Therefore, they served before the king, and in all matters of wisdom and understanding about which the king examined them, he found them ten times better than all the magicians and astrologers who were in his realm. Literally, in the Hebrew text, Pastor Chad, it's ten hands. So that's like horse measurement. The right. idea is that one of Daniel is worth ten of the magicians. Wow. One Daniel is ten magicians. Appearance, prominence, but then also the other payoff is influence. The very last verse I was going to read, Pastor Chad, verse 21, does Daniel continued until the first year of King Cyrus. Now, we would normally just read that and not camp on it, but I need to explain that. Daniel comes to Babylon as a young teenager, but he lives through the entire 70-year captivity in his later years. And for him to live 70 years in Babylon, it gotten him there as a teenager because the introduction of King Cyrus is 536. Meaning, from 605 to 536, Daniel had influence the entire time. Hmm. Right? He influences one of the most powerful kingdoms on the world. He influences Belshazzar in chapter 5. Remember the handwriting on the wall? He interprets the dream all the way to Cyrus. The Medo-Persian Empire takes over the Babylonians, and there's a new, new king. His name's King Cyrus. And yet, now Daniel still influences that. But I thought his influence goes even beyond that, Pastor Chad, because years later it says in the birth of Jesus, wise men from the east hmm. Come to worship him. The Magi were Babylonian priests from the court of the Babylonian king. So Babylon, then, right, pretty powerful, Medo Persia. So the, the big question is how on earth would Babylonian priests know to look for a Jewish king unless there was a guy that told them about it? Somebody had put the seed there, right, of those scriptures. In fact, the whole book of Daniel, knowledge. the Jewish king would rule the world, and years later they're still being influenced by Daniel. So what's the takeaway today? Go against the flow, right? Flow out there in American culture is pretty strong. It's a cultural flow. It's a political flow. You're a, you're a financial guy. It's a financial flow. Yeah. It's a musical flow. You got to go against that flow. Go against. It's not easy to do. It's not. It's no, you, you have to know going in that uh, anytime you go outside of the, the common system that's in place, 
forget about even the spiritual side of it. If you just go outside the common ways that things are being done, there's going to be difficulty. Mm. You see what I'm saying? It's yeah. just like saying going against the flow. You're try yourself. Try to swim upstream. Upstream, brother. You have to understand that. But one of the things that's helped me, and I think that that Daniel's story helps us all as well, is ultimately the king just had a certain goal that he wanted to reach. Yeah. Right? He didn't care whether it was Daniel's method or his own Babylonian people's method. He just wanted that achieved. Mm-hmm. And that has served me well in dealing with people mm-hmm. and leaders yeah. in context of up, is that when you know ultimately what they want mm-hmm. done, and you say, okay, I am going to meet that quota. I'm going to hit your standard. Mm. But will you grant me the liberty to do it my way as long as I hit mm. what it is you desire? And that's what Daniel did here. He asked. Yeah. And normally when God grants favor, that's sort of the balance that he, he does it. Mm. Um you yeah. know, God's different than me. I would, I would not allow some of the yeah. ungodly Crazy. and high places continue. Yeah. But, but when favor happens, mm-hmm. it's not oftentimes the removal of such. Right. It's it's this that we see here. Yeah. And that's so important to the those that are trying to win through the fleshly ability of anger and I'm trying to convince that way. Yeah, and Jesus said, "No, listen. I, I told my kids this week. Your your dad is called ultimately to to minister to God's people, and and to demonstrate the life of faith in a way of living by faith. Mm. Meaning, I ain't taking up no sword. Mm-hmm. I'm not called to take up the sword. What does that look like for all the body of Christ to say? You know what? We're not going to take up sword." Because even if we have to love him to the laying down of our life, there's a greater purpose on the inside of representing the way Christ modeled. The world does not know what to do with that kind of boldness. They don't. So someone who's that that convicted in purpose of heart, there's they have no they have no category for a person like that. Yeah, because that that is the only Listen, and we I, see it globally. I mean, you see tons of Christian oh, martyrs all over the world. Yeah, th- see, there's 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 physical freedom of context and liberty. Yeah, but then there's a higher freedom called spiritual freedom. Yeah, and Jesus and the people you're talking about martyrs, they lived with the reality of this greater liberty, mm-hmm. a spiritual heavenly liberty, that said, you know what, we're not going to fall into the entrapments of trying to fight ungodly power yeah through power yeah we're not going to try to fight ungodly swords with swords Mm -hmm. and they lived with this otherworldly freedom yes and they stood out more than you could ever stand out yeah yeah and that's what daniel was you're right you're right those early church father that writes of an atheist who is not of course a church father right he's an atheist uh, Cyprian in the third century, and it just always is, you know, even since I read it in undergrad, he said that when we would kill the Christians, he said all the Christians would come in and they would carry the dead as if in triumph. Mm. And that just messed them up. So they would go kill six Christians and six more would show up and pick up the dead body. 
mm-hmm. and and march around with those people like they just won the war, you know, won yeah. the war. And that there's no category. There's no way to organize that mentally, socially, politically, right? Yeah, for the philosophy worldviews. Correct. Right? Correct. So I was going to read this thing, Pastor Chad, yeah. and we'll pray. I'm going to have you pray. But uh, um, this was found from the 1920s and 30s. It was found um, in a missionary to Zimbabwe after he was martyred for his faith mm. in Christ. So he goes to Zimbabwe, receives the ultimate reward, martyrdom. But but I want to read. I thought it was it was powerful. He said, I'm a part of the fellowship of the unashamed. The die has been cast. I've stepped over the line. The decision's been made. I'm a disciple of his. I won't look back, let up, slow down, back away, or be still. My past is redeemed. My present makes sense. My future's secure. I'm done and finished with low living, sight walking, small planning, smooth knees, colorless dreams, tame visions, mundane talking, cheap living, and dwarf goals. My face is set. My gate is fast. Speaking of the gate of walk, Walk. my, my goal is heaven. My road may be narrow, my way rough, my companions few, but my God is reliable, my mission's clear, I will not be bought, compromised, detoured, lured away, turned back, deluded, or delayed. I will not flinch in the face of sacrifice, hesitate in the presence of the adversary. I will not negotiate at the table of my enemy or ponder at the pool of popularity or meander in the maze of mediocrity. I won't give up, shut up, or let up till I've stayed up, stored up, prayed up, paid up, and preached up for the cause of Christ. And that kind of nonconformity awesome. got his head cut off. Right? Pretty good way to go out. Oh yeah. Listen. <laughs> and the and the and the thousand year reign of Christ, man, he's gonna be saying it's well worth it. So that's what this missionary wrote. They killed him for it. But I gotta say, right, the world does not know what to do with that kind of boldness. And no so way. that nonconformity is what I hope by today's episode we've stirred in listeners, watchers, viewers, and leaders to keep living against the flow. Keep being a live fish. Buck the system. Stand up for J. Don't be ashamed of the gospel, right? Don't be conformed. And the more that we can, the more for Christ and his kingdom, more that can stand out like that. They become infectious and contagious. You know, because passion like that is a contagious commodity. You never thought about that. You remember when these, the Valley of Elah, the children of Israel standing every day, scared to death, took this one shepherd boy to knock down the giant. And you remember what right the text says, then they took off running after the Philistines and rooted them as far as Gath. And you're like, you cowards, you stood here every day. But that passion from one boy is one of the most contagious commodities. And yeah. so in leaders' lives that are watching today, that passion, that passion that defines them to not be conformed, it can be really contagious, can be really It's infectious. interesting you brought that up because I was thinking earlier when you were introing into the season that we're going to deal with giants that, you know, the the hardest giants to defeat are the giants that you have known the longest. Yeah. See, they they were sealed into a, in a mindset, a conformity of fear and intimidation to Goliath. David shows up. He's not been sealed into that fear of no. of that. Is he, there not he, a cause? He said he don't even know that giant. Yeah, but those that knew the giant longer than him feared it because the hardest giants to feed are the ones that we've known the longest and not dealt with. Yeah, and so we'll probably get into that a little more. But yeah, um, the truth of the matter is, is you know I'm reminded of, uh, I think it's the end of Hebrews, Hebrews thirteen, but it says the the word of His grace is able to build us up. Yeah. And when you think about some of you, maybe, you know, you have the enemy or 
condemning you or, or, or maybe your own conscience convicting you as you listen to this of where you've conformed in the, in the past. You know, I didn't, I didn't have enough of, of Christ internally to not conform in middle school and high school days. Oh yeah. I had an outward form, but I had no inward substance of Christ. And maybe for you, it's not then, maybe it's something recently at, at, at work or conversations or things you've done, you know, recently out with friends or whatever it is. But listen, it's the otherworldly spirit, Mm -hmm. the spirit from another world, the the spirit sent from the Father and Son on high, the Holy Spirit, the Spirit of grace, that's able to build us up on the inside, to become like Christ is, set like flint on the on that passion yeah. and purpose you just talked about and that you just read about that missionary. Absolutely. He's more than able. Absolutely. Well, I want to pray, Pastor Chad, for those that are listening today, watching today, and and just pray a prayer of strengthening and determination, evaluation for folks um, that are, are leaders and dealing with this giant of conformity. And we're going to obviously be back for seven more episodes, a lot of more giants to slay to oh, talk. Yeah. Man, I would love some good feedback from those that are watching this because it'll really help us. Yeah, testimonies. Yes, lessons, it'll really help us in, in terms of going through. engaging, correct, in prayer as well. So I'm going to pray. If you are able to bow your head where you're at or listening or watching, I'm just going to pray. Father, I thank I'll you for the love of Daniel. I thank you for the truth that was taught him by his parents, the Jewish faith he was raised in, that God, there is just one God in heaven who's sovereign, who sets up kings, who disposes of kings. All of this incredible theology that is exhibited in this book was already in this young teenager. Mm. And so bold to be able to stand before a king who could execute him and say to his servant, yeah, I'm not going to do that. I'm not going to defile myself that way. I'm not going to cross that line. I'm going to stand up to this giant of conformity and not be conformed. God, help us in these last days. Yes, God. Lord, help us to be faithful to you, to be always aware that you're with us, that your eyes are on us. You're not just watching in a way that's detached. Lord, you're watching as an involved father who would watch. You care, you're concerned, you hear. You not only see what we say and think, but what others say against us or about us. I pray that we would live, God, those that are watching today, with the reality, Lord, that your determination, your evaluation of us is far weightier than what anybody else might think of us because that would just set us free, Lord, to know those truths. And so it'll set us free to be bold. We ask God, set us free to be courageous, Lord. Set us free to live unencumbered lives. Lord, help those that are watching today, listening today, to defeat this giant of conformity. We thank you for this. Thank you for this, Lord. In Jesus' name. Jesus name. Amen. Well, thank you so much for tuning in today. Man. Season number two, episode yeah. one. Any final thoughts, Pastor Chad? No, I enjoyed it. Awesome. Yeah, it's awesome. going to be a good season. Yeah, going to be a great season. So make sure if you if you haven't subscribed to the YouTube channel here. Now's can, the time. That's right. You can also hit the bell for notifications. That's going to send you push notifications, tell you when our next episode goes live. All right, friends. We'll see you next time for Lead Talks with the Cranks. God bless you.